You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and joining me is the wonderful, the wisdom of William Gallagher. Actually, I'm going to reject that this time because really it's the waiting William Gallagher. You went off to CES and all I could do was watch from afar as article after article pops up on appleinsider.com. I wrote one article about CES and it was floods of news from there. You Uh, wrote one wonderful article. Well, thank you very much. I quite liked it. You helped, actually, yeah. didn't you? So let's be fair. Share the joy there. But tell me, what was it like? What's it actually like on the floor at CES? A disaster. Uh, okay. Well, apocalyptically bad. No, let me let me explain. <laughs> so the first year that someone goes to CES, their eyes are all aglow because you're surrounded by all of these wonderful, wonderful things, and they're interesting and they're new. And and by the ninth year, you go. They, you, you start to see patterns where everything has a theme in the year. There are some things that come and go and nothing is quite revolutionary. Things are very much based on the year before. It's all evolutionary. And nothing ever comes out on sale. Well, right? well, things come out on, they're either available immediately, available in nine to 12 months or available never. <laughs> okay. And at least I imagine they put that on the sticker, don't not they? At all, Let's not be at honest all. up front. But the the interesting thing is that these things that are available never, they do sort of exist because they're showing them there at a booth and you can see that at least 80% of the thing they're trying to tell you about works, sometimes 100%. And so there are all kinds of reasons why products never make it to market along the way. And they, they usually come to money or manufacturing capacity or capability, but they're able to build something because they prove that something worked. Now, obviously with software, you can hide a lot. You can do a lot of neat demo smoke and mirrors kind of stuff. But when it comes to hardware, it's a lot harder to fake. Speaking of smoke and mirrors, I don't want to take you through all the, what, 4,000 exhibitors, but the thing that leapt out at me, I was genuinely really quite intrigued and surprised at myself how much by mirrors. There were bathroom mirrors. for There was one from Artemis for $20,000. A little bit outside my price range, a little bit, tiny bit. Uh, we couldn't get two of them anyway. But uh, you'd look so good in it. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure it's really the mirror resolution. <laughs> mirror or mirror like on the wall, uh, who is the fairest of them all, right? Anyway, uh, <laughs> was that the only bathroom? Because I seem to remember there being products before where people bunged raspberry pies at the back of their windows and right. things like that. Right, right. So those are called is magic mirrors, thing? and it is a new thing. And Great. traditionally, it was the, the raspberry pie and the LCD panel held up to the, the back of the mirror, basically. And that was cool. They tend to all run Android because Android's freely available. And you can patch in your calendar widget, your weather widget, things like this. You can see what you're doing today, which makes a ton of sense. There was one that was doing a guided exercise where it would be your mirror for your fitness room in your house. And oh, it's clever. regularly just a mirror. And then all of a sudden it would start to p- displaying the videos and steps and guide you through your fitness program kind of thing. Um, but I, I think what we're getting at is that one of this year's themes was that there was a strong beauty component and also a a strong kind of bathroom component. Well, so let me take you through this, right? In terms of mirrors, there was the one that you cited, Artemis. There Mm -hmm. were several of them from a more affordable range from iHome. And Mm -hmm. then there was one from Simple Human. Now, Simple Human is not a company we typically think of in the smart app kind of space, right? You know, Simple Uh, Human, they make make waste cans, they make waste paper bins. Oh, well, now I know more about them than I did, but okay, yes. They made a couple of years ago. They made a makeup mirror that was app enabled, and the detail on it was that you could adjust it using an app to change the lighting f- to match the lighting in other environments. For example, instead of your bathroom, you could say, "Show me what sunlight looks like. Show me what oh, fluorescent oh, daylight looks like." And that and, is good because the number of times I've looked, yeah, that's all right in the mirror, and then gone out and absolutely not. All oh, right, okay, that's I mean, clever. It, if if that. you were doing your makeup, for example, which I know you do every morning, but if you were doing your makeup, for example, you know, you'd want to make sure that it looked right in the environment you were going to be seen in most of the day. Yes, that makes sense. 
Yes. So that was a couple I'm, of years ago. I'm not thinking about a whiskey nose and face, but okay. Yeah, right. so that, oh, sorry. That was a couple of years ago. So things have moved on, have they? Well, so one of the things that we saw a lot of, and, and you know, iHome was putting in Bluetooth speakers in their mirrors mm-hmm. on the idea that you'd like to have some music in your bathroom as you're setting up in the morning. And that's not mm-hmm. a wrong proposition. A lot of people are doing that. You know, the, uh, the, the smart toilets, for example, from Kohler uh, have speakers in them. So you can have music. I have in your a bathroom. HomePod now, and also um, uh, because I'm interested in the new iPhone, that's the always-on listening for the Hey Siri thing. Uh, I've got very used to talking to the air. And the other day, I was having a shower, and I had a great idea for a project. And I actually began saying to, and realized there's not even a microphone listening yeah. anywhere. Which, but which, in some be. levels, is not a bad thing because microphones in your bath could be a little bit weird. But you know, if if uh, you were doing Siri, then that would be somewhat acceptable, I suppose. Anyway, what Simple Human have done is they've gone ahead and put AirPlay two in their bathroom mirror speaker. All right, so I can route music or any audio I like from any of my devices across to multiple it with my speakers. soapy fingers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. Soapy fingers aside, I quite like the sound of that. Yeah. You know, and and so that was interesting. In other terms of beauty, there was uh, L'Oreal doing a interesting thing. You know, in the past, they've tracked ultraviolet rays with a My Skin Track UV, and that began life a few years ago as a sticker, and then progressed to being a wearable sensor that works with an app. It tells you if you've been out in the sun too long, because people think the, of the sun exposure as really being a summer thing, but it turns out you can get ultraviolet exposure in the winter too. Have you lived in Britain? I think we're fine here, but okay. You, you say that, but I, I think you would be surprised if you wore a skin track sensor and, and saw just how much ultraviolet actually makes it through the dismal gray weather that you have. I think if I did wear some sort of fitness tracking health thing, I would be very surprised at myself, yes, but probably not the way you mean. I'll get round to fitness later. Well, it, I mean, this is, this is skin health more than fitness, right? You know. Okay. Skin is is the biggest organ on your body. It covers pretty much all of you, right? And skin cancer is a disastrously bad thing because there's not a great way to treat it, right? It just pretty much takes over. It's one of those ones where you don't have a lot of hope. And, you know, protecting yourself from UV rays is, is one of the preventative measures you can take. So being more aware of that seems like, on the whole, a good idea. So I, when I asked you about the mirrors, it, it felt like, I mean, I really do fancy ones. So I'm not knocking it when I say it seemed a gimmick, but it did seem a bit gimmicky. Now they are sounding more, um, you know, genuinely useful. Is that a reasonable summary of all the stuff that goes on at CES this year? Like anything at CES, like everything at CES, you have to question who is this for and how are they intended to use it and how big a problem do they actually have, Right. You know, mm-hmm. when when you talk about we're going to put Amazon Alexa into your toilet and it's going to be a smart toilet, you have to say, all right, now, so people don't buy, buy toilets all that often, right? You don't change yours just on a whim. You do it because you're doing a bathroom remodel. Yeah, it's a big step. Right. Yes. So you have to be doing a bathroom remodel. You have to be committed to Alexa already. You have to like the idea of Amazon having a microphone in your loo. Right. There, there are a lot of hurdles here no, to cross. Sh- <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Now, I think this is an example of Shengdu, though, isn't it? The nearly use, nearly, but not quite useless technology. Uh, a loo that listens to you. Yeah. Okay. We right. Can do it. Right. But, but now, when, when we talk about other uses in the bathroom, for example, so both Kohler and Moen have HomeKit enabled showers. And you ask, why would I want to control my shower from HomeKit? Why would I want to have it remotely yes. controllable from my phone or automated or anything like that? And the answer is, you can do some interesting things. For example, when you go to shower in the morning, if you like a nice hot shower, do you turn on the water and wait? Okay, yes. I see what you mean. Not very much, but yes. How um, do you know when it's reached the nice temperature? I go, ow. Right. So you, you, you wait and then you test and either it's cold or it's hot. And sometimes you could be waiting and it's already hot, right? I spend up to that 60 seconds in fruitless contemplation of temperature. Yes, but I needn't. You're saying I can push a button one minute before I go into the bathroom. I'm saying that you can push a button and it will heat to the desired temperature, which you have sold it. It will then pause the water for you to get in and then press a button to resume it. 
I was worried about the waste. No, okay. I mean, this is really specific here. We have a problem with our shower that it, when you get it nice and hot, you switch it off and switch it on again, it goes ice cold. You got to switch off again and on Instantly. again, and then it's back to really? normal. Yes, it's very, very disturbing. That doesn't make good sense. That sounds like a problem with your valve because it the hot does. water has already populated all of the pipes. And so I feel this is probably something you could help me with uh, off air or something. Yeah, uh, let me try to be over. We'll fix your plumbing, but never mind that. Okay. The the point is that there's a lot of places where you can both increase your comfort by getting out of a bed into a hot shower and not wasting tons of water. And and yes. wasted water is a real problem actually because there are a number of places where where water is a precious resource. And as time goes by, water is going to become more of a precious resource. So wasting it is a bad idea. And, you know, the expense of a shower install, especially if you're doing a remodel, is quite small compared to the lifetime wasting of water. Right. Not very likely to be changing it all yet. But if I did, would I do this? I'm not sure. Well, when I moved into the house I'm in now about 14 years ago, I changed everything. I changed the shower heads. I changed the valves. I changed it all. And it's been enough time. I could do it again. And if I were, I would probably consider this. I will admit, I like being able to do this. Uh, hey, Siri, turn the office heater on. Okay. I like that a lot. Actually. There was there was uh, that, that momentary pause where I was wondering if she'd heard you correctly. We were waiting with yeah. bated breath to see if it happened. I'm very glad that it did. Can't understand why sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm on it. I think she was actually reading a book or something when I asked the question. But the other day I was coming back from a Writers Guild Awards, really cold, really late, and I was able to just get yeah, a few minutes away from the house, called ahead, and it switched on. The office was nice and toasty for me to do some work. So Yeah, and, and using the HomePod as your home hub for that, that remote access, that outside the home access – is a really good thing. My understanding is that that works really solid on that. Well, I've uh, hardly used it, but I've certainly no problems, and I'm increasingly addicted to it. Whether that addiction will persist and take me down the whole toilet road, I, I have some debt, but, yeah. you know, so far. Well, you know, uh, the other things in terms of beauty, I mentioned my skin track. Well, this year they came with my skin uh, pH, and by using a sticker to measure the pH level of your skin, they can then recommend what you need to do to get your skin to the right acidity level. And, and doing that has neat benefits like preventing dermatitis, preventing acne, things like that, which was kind of cool. Um, Neutrogena had a, a, a thing where they use the camera to scan your face and your skin and then tell you the different trouble spots and which different kinds of things you should use for your skin. And they will 3D print, they will custom print a face mask with the right kinds of serums and so forth for the right areas of your face, which was wow. pretty neat. And Olay uh, took a different approach. Olay, Olay, you know, their history is they sell tons and tons of creams, right? Variants of different creams. Oh, yes, yes. And so you end up with a, a, a bathroom. There are people who are really into beauty and a, and a skin routine will take a, what they call a shelfie, which is a picture of all of their beauty supplies <laughs> on a shelf. <laughs> That's and, excellent. And, you know... Olay's approach eliminates the shelfie down to one jar of, of serum of cream because what they do is they put all these different ingredients in the cream and then they use a, a, a wand, a smart wand that it emits um, electromagnetic frequencies and it's paired with your phone over Bluetooth. And so using it, they, they guide you where to rub the wand on your face and it sends out different frequencies that activate different ingredients in the cream, they claim. And in so doing, they have one cream that can be an eye cream, that can be a, a, a you know a, a cheek cream, can be a T zone cream, can be all these different spots of the face, and they just activate it differently for each part. One cream to rule them all, pretty much, mm -hmm. with a magic smart wand and Bluetooth and Bluetooth, <laughs> and you know I, I know that that for a regular listener this might sound a little cheesy, but. One of the things that's, that's I think, important to remember is that, you know, for years, CES has been about TVs. How big can we make them? How much <laughs> resolution can we pack into them? And stuff like that. And there were some good TV announcements for the Apple user, including the, the Samsung, LG, Sony, and Vizio announcements, where, you know, those are going to get AirPlay 2 and, in some cases, HomeKit. But the... The thing is that we, we kind of want this to infect the rest of the categories. We, we want things to become smart or aware in useful ways, in ways that benefit the user without imposing a big tech um, debt on them. You know, someone should be able to do the cream thing or do the skin pH thing and determine what they need to do for their health. And that's a good benefit without a whole lot of technical learning or hit to it. 
Okay. Yes, I agree with that. The toaster stuff, plug it in, do it. Right. Uh, rather than have to. And and Miracle Grow was there, right? Scott's Miracle Grow was there. They're maker of of seeds and fertilizers and all kinds of planting and gardening supplies and stuff. And they had a hydroponic growing system paired with your phone that you could have either four in one pod or you could stack them and get eight plants. And they would sell you live plants that you could put in there so you can get heads of lettuce that are already started or you can just grow from seeds. And, you know, I asked them, how quickly could I take seeds and get a head of lettuce? And they said essentially a couple of weeks that if I started on January 10th, by January 28th, I would have a plant I could eat. I don't know how, I mean, it's obviously fast, but how does that compare to a typical yeah, organic crop. I, I think it's a little bit faster because the light is supplied by the system and regulated as is the water. So they're always monitoring and giving it exactly what it needs, where when you put something in the ground, you're, you're sort of subject to your own habits for watering and whatever the sun gives you. And you're also subject to the seasons, right? If you put the plant outdoors, you're subject to the cold winters killing your crop, where by planting indoors in this contraption that they call the 12, you can grow guess it, 12 months around. You can grow all year round mm. indoors and have food all year round. I still not really rush towards vegetables, but if I did, I'd be able to rush that much faster. Okay. Well, uh, so, so, so what we've learned here is that William doesn't eat a balanced diet. And think, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, I sometimes have milk chocolate as well as dark, uh, but I don't feel that this is this is getting too personal into my diet and my bathroom habits. Um, CES. <laughs> I didn't expect to go there, but all right. Yeah. Uh, mm. I don't know how to feel about CES then. I mean, sorry, I know you want to talk about stuff that's going on this week, but a one-sentence summary, is CES a good thing for the world or just another boring trade show where nothing ever gets launched? It's both. Okay. it's both so there's there's the weird and wonderful side that never actually makes it out but there are things that are, happen there that do have an impact like the tv announcement um like ces was where we saw first carplay units debut it was where we saw the first wireless carplay units debut it was where we saw the first low cost carplay units debut you know it used to be that you could only get from the major manufacturers like the sony's the the pioneers the the kenwood jvc's and now there are the dual av and boss and some of the other more affordable brands that we think of so really it becomes to the point where there's there's no reason why anyone shouldn't have carplay i've still never actually seen it in the flesh would you believe? Everybody tells me it's great. A friend is just obsessed with how great it is. But at some point, you know, in the next car, I hopefully will get one that has it. Right. But, you know, the, with the, the plethora of aftermarket systems available, I, I you know, I, I don't care if the car is from 2001 or from 1971. Put a CarPlay unit in it. There's, there's literally one for every dashboard at this point. Probably just not everyone for every budget, though, because you remember I'm well, now down that's... a HomePod and a new iPhone as well. So I'm spent. I was kind of glad okay. that the Artemis Mirror was 20000 and I could just ignore it. What if I could tell you that you could have CarPlay for the same price or a little less than you paid for your HomePod? I I hate to say, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this, but I would buy another HomePod. I would like it that much. I'm really, I would not have known that, but that's just first reaction. Oh, that's it. I'm sunk. HomePods rule. Like the lowest cost, brand new 2019 model of car CarPlay system that I found comes in at around $279. Okay, I could pony up a little bit more for a HomePod too. Would I get another grey one though? Right. Uh, yeah, again, I feel going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. And it's here. not about you yes. personally, but I'm saying that there, there are things that happen there that have immediate impacts on people like that. There are other things that are technologies that debut and they're not necessarily aimed at the consumer even though it is the consumer electronics show what they're aimed at is other companies that are there so that they can do partnerships and deals and the benefits will hit the consumer on a longer timeline three or four years from now oh, so they all go to talk to themselves sounds like every trade show i've ever been to well i yes. mean when you have when you have major manufacturing coming over from china when you have people and so App, apple doesn't exhibit at the show no but this year was one of Apple's biggest presences for from the public perspective because they put up that uh, what stays on your iPhone what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone banner outside yes. the convention center, and they had the TV announcement, 
right? But yeah. Apple is always there. There are always Apple people roaming the halls having meetings because that's when all of the the suppliers and that's when all of the uh, the the manufacturers that want to work with MFI or work with HomeKit, work with all those things are also there. So they have right. these these people roaming the halls and meeting because that's the time. Well, I didn't know that, but that makes Google sense. is there in a big way. Now, Google was there publicly in terms of their Google Assistant, where they plant a person wearing a jumpsuit to tell you all about how great Google Assistant is in every booth. But Google has people roaming the halls, having these meetings, arranging technology partners. Yeah, just you. I would think Apple and Google could pick up the phone. They don't have to try to network there, with these people. There is well, so there are a few things. A, there's something very valuable about being face to face. Yeah, so invite them in for a chat, show them at Apple there's, Park, buy them a coffee. There, there's something about you know. Yes, Apple could ring up the phone, but. The reverse is a lot harder. Someone else outside ringing up the phone and getting someone at Apple is kind of difficult. And well, so, tried. so being discoverable, tried. right? Yeah. Being at the show, sending out a press release saying, this is what you're doing. Apple people will come and find you. Mm. All right. That makes sense, I guess. Uh, so we will see something happening sometime. Sorry, that didn't mean to turn out to be quite as vague well, as it ended up being, but you know, the future. Yeah, so there. there's going to be some very interesting future developments. One of the other things that happens is is like this. So ConnectSense is the maker of a smart outlet product for HomeKit and now Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa. And they've done a lot of contract work for other people getting their accessories HomeKit compatible as well. And just a couple of booths over, was a Chinese ceiling fan manufacturer. And they were making a very well-designed, beautiful ceiling fan that looks a lot like the Haiku Sense fans from Big Ass Fans. Bamboo blades, lovely design, fantastic, and affordable. They were doing them very affordably. And I said, you know, do you have HomeKit? Well, we'd like to, but it's too hard. We don't know how. We're doing Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa. And I said, great, you know what? Walk with me. And I walked them two booths over to the guys that do HomeKit and it made the introduction. <laughs> and that's something you can Excellent. do in a show floor right. setting that is a lot harder to do remotely from two different countries. Yeah, but there has to be a certain amount of willingness on the manufacturer and having not looked across the aisle to who they what? needed to speak to. I, yeah, I'd be curious. It, Hopefully it, they will now. Proximity matters. They really wanted to do HomeKit. They just didn't know who to talk to or how. And so making that introduction goes a long way. No, I get that. But presumably the HomeKit people had a sign that said, we're the HomeKit people. So they didn't really follow through. Well, they had a sign that said, we're the ConnectSense people. And they had all of the other manufacturers that they've worked with on display. Okay, so not, a bit it's, more obscure. It's Well, but but none of these worked. things are, are exactly obvious, right? You you have to see and talk to and know who you're talking to. It's, it's a trade show. Okay. It's a trade show. A lot of fun. And I'm, I'm sorry, I've been asking about this because you went and, and I didn't. Uh, you wanted to talk about all sorts of things that are happening now slash in the other future that's ahead of us. But right, I don't know right. And what's before, before I do, you know, I need to talk a little bit about a company called Capterra. So way back in 1989, the World Wide Web was invented. And, and we've come a long way in those 30 years. Why does it feel like the software that you use every day is stuck in the past? One of the problems that people have is, is trying to figure out what the right software is for your business. And you can find that. You can take a leap into the future and find the right software for your business on Capterra.com. So Capterra is a leading free online resource to help you find the best software solution for your business. With over 700,000 reviews of products from real software users, you can discover everything you need to make an informed decision. And there are more than 700 specific categories of software, from project management to email marketing to something as esoteric as yoga studio management software, which I know you and I both personally need. And no matter what kind of software your business needs, Capterra makes it easy to discover the right solution fast. So you can join the millions of people who use Capterra each month to find the right tools for their business. And that's that's really the difficulty. You know, it's it's so hard to find the exactly right tool and having a site that collects them all, that aggregates them like this, makes it easy to try out a few and determine the one that's the best fit. That's that's so much of a time saver for me personally. So visit capterra.com slash Apple Insider for free today to find the right tools to make 2019 the year for your business. Capterra.com slash Apple Insider. Capterra, that's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash Apple Insider. So... 
William. Yes. There are a couple of things going on. First of all, Tim Cook, we know, has been speaking out very frequently about uh, privacy, and he called on Congress for federal data privacy law reforms. One of the things that he was positioning that he was positing as a good idea would be the idea that people can track their data and manage how it's used and revoke it. That, that companies should abide by rules that, that basically are fundamentally different than they are today regarding collection and storage of user data. You know, right now, companies have huge user profiles that, that basically people can't really control their own digital lives. And so Cook is proposing something that empowers the consumer. The, the idea that he's laid out says that uh, you should have the right to have your personal data minimized that you should be able to know what's being collected and why, the right to see it and make changes to it, and the right to security, that that people should have the tools to take action, which is really interesting. He's, he's talking about the concept of a data broker, which is a company that collects data from a retailer or other firms and compiles and then sends it to another buyer without the user's knowledge and what to do about those. Any chance everybody will just think, that's a good point, we'll do that, and then it's all sorted. You have so much faith in legislators. I'm I'm surprised at you knowing what's going on in your own country at this moment. Oh, thanks for bringing that up. But okay, yes. <laughs> well, breath, where does this optimism breath. come from, my friend? Uh, I, I'm a cynical idealist. That's what it is. <laughs> I, I think Cook sounds right. And we need somebody to have a good idea. There's a good idea. Let's do that. I mean, GDPR, the uh, General Data Protection uh Act that we had in uh, the UK starting middle of last year has done some work towards this, and, and he's praised them for that. Uh, it has made a difference. It is good. Why shouldn't everybody have this? Go US. I don't think the GDPR goes far enough. Sure. I don't think it comes close to what Cook's talking about. <clears throat> no, but it's definitely a right route on the way, and you have no idea how much work you put me through setting up for it. But okay, I'll just forget that bit. Yeah. yeah so great, but it's good. Let's have more. Well, so in, in linked news and related news, uh, Senator Marco Rubio in the United States has announced the American Data Dissemination Act, a data privacy bill. And his proposal is that the FTC or Federal Trade Commission would be ordered to examine and suggest what privacy rules should be put in place for major commercial services and that they would be required to find ways to exempt smaller companies from being impacted by the rules, that – that um, the FCC would have the authority to produce new rules along their own recommendations. And, and basically, it would also preempt privacy rules at a state level, meaning that tougher state laws would be superseded by weaker national laws in some cases, but that at least it would apply across the board. And the, the, the idea is to try and eliminate the, the patchwork of laws. So, so the way the America is set up, right? America is 50 states organized in a federal union, and each state has their own sets of laws. And that's a lot to comply with when you're trying to, to run a business nationally. And so by creating a federal law that creates a blanket law for the whole country, it, it some cases makes it worse for states that had stronger laws, but at least gives companies a level playing field to work within instead of trying to manage it's, 50 different laws. Uh, doesn't it just make it a, um, a floor rather than a ceiling? If you're stronger than this, you're fine, but you can't be weaker than that. Um, that's entirely too sensible for legislators. Okay. Yeah, government doesn't so, work that way. Sorry. <laughs> what are the odds of all this coming through then? And do we know when it might pass? I don't know how long acts take to go through the US well, Congress. I mean, it's it's really, I mean, he announced the idea of it. Bills go, he, he announces the bill. The bill gets co-sponsored. The bill has to go through committee. It has to get out of committee as opposed to the committee killing it. And then it can go to the floor for a vote. And then right. what will happen is that we have two bodies. We have a House and a Senate. And so we get two versions and they then have to be reconciled. They both have to get voted to pass and then they have to get reconciled. And they both each get their own amendments that people tack on. Yeah, so right. there's, yes. there's a lot of gory work at, at that kind of thing. Right. And, and so, this bill is launching without any co-sponsors, which already kind of signals that it may not be popular because what happens is that people love – legislators love to, to tack their name onto stuff so then they can send letters home to constituents or, or make campaign adverts that say, you know, when in Congress, I championed this. I did this thing. And they don't have to do anything to co-sponsor other than tack their name on and try and get some of their fellow congressmen to vote for it. 
All right. Doesn't sound strenuous. Um, Except that really no one else did that is, here. So it's, yeah. yeah, maybe not going far. Okay. But I think once a good idea is out there in the wild, it'll come back, won't it? Um, well, we've seen all the bad ideas come back. We can hope for this one, too. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, every, every time, you know, every time some terrible event happens, we, we get people pushing for a, we need Apple to give us everything inside the iPhone so that we can crack open the criminal's iPhone. We want to see what the baddies were doing on their iPhone and Cook patiently explains why that's a bad idea. You know, once you break security for one person, mm-hmm. you're breaking it for every iPhone user and that's not a great thing. Once the, once one country wants it, they all do. That's not a great thing. See, we're just back to Tim Cook talk sense that could be a program on fox couldn't it tim cook talk sense i'd listen to that i don't know if it would actually run on fox but yeah well i chose that carefully (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh so uh, while all this uh privacy and stuff while tim cook is is i like the way tim cook is being very quite strident and vocal about things that he's visibly passionate about uh but he is also running this like computer company thing. Um, is Apple doing anything else uh, other than legislation proposals? Well, yes. But th- besides what Apple's doing, they're knock-on effects. For example, TSMC, who is an Apple chip partner. You know, in the past, they've made processors for Apple. They are slashing their revenue guidance. Can you imagine why? Why would they be warning of a financial situation? Could it be Apple? Could it? Is it possible going suppose, out on a limb? I suppose, right? Although uh, one imagines uh, a company, I, I know the name, I don't know anything about them. I presume they have lots of customers and this is all, uh, the, should we say, the problem in China that's affecting Apple and Samsung and the rest. Is that this or is they were just overspent at the company picnic? No, I, well, first of all, that company picnic was a doozy. Wow. Okay. I mean, my right. goodness. But but basically it, it comes on Apple's guidance and and the rest of the global smart smartphone market slow down. Right. So, oh, I'm sorry. Did you say how bad is it? Uh, well, so their their predictions are down 14 percent year on year. 14. That's right. Now that is the largest decline for the company since 2009. Back in 2009, revenue dropped 54 percent. Wow, what happened to that? Oh, wait a minute. Was that the, the, the Wall Street crash? Not the Wall, sorry, mm. not the Wall Street crash. That was the first. It was the general financial crash area. Was it, was, it was the financial crisis from 2008, basically. Right. Okay. Well, so they've been doing all right for uh, 10 years, and now it's all over. Give up. Go home. Yeah. So what so happened is that they had anta- anticipated that things were going to continue as they had been. They they did not predict a trade war with China. They did not predict Chinese uh, people as a whole being quite upset with what's going on with the United States and Huawei. They did, and and then taking it out on Apple and non-Chinese smartphones. They they the, there were things that they could not have accurately predicted a year ago. Sure. Right. And. They're, they're saying that these lower financial results are caused by a sudden drop in sales for the high-end market, which caused inventory buildup, which means that the problem's going to stay with them a while because A, they have to work through that inventory, and B, you can't always work through that inventory because yeah. technology accelerates, so that inventory gets stale, right? Yes. So uh, if I wanted to nip out and buy myself um, you know, a cheap processor for something, I could go maybe pick one up from them. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Uh, well, I would advise you to to have a decently large order quantity on hand when you do. What, more than three? Three is a sample size. I would tell you to, that you need at least 3,000 to 5,000. Uh, okay, do they come in blue? Right, I'm sorry. I think I must be just be getting <laughs> uh, in a funny mood today. Mm. Oh, I know what it is. It's because my office is super heating yeah. because I haven't told it to shut. Would you mind if I just did that? Please? You may, yeah. Getting cozy, hey, are Siri. you? Turn the office heater off. Okay. Thank you. Okay, okay. that explains so much now. Uh, yeah. So TSMC follows Samsung. Paul follows a lot of people. I imagine by now. Well, uh, they this is a, had things been going news? well, right? Had things been on track back in November, they were up. Gonna, they were going to be on target for year on year growth of five point six percent. So it's the eighteen, sorry, fourteen rating, which I've already said down. Is that down from? what would have been 5.6 up or is it down from 
whatever it wasn't before it grossed, gr- it's, uh, grew. It's, it's from whatever it wasn't. Okay. All right. I love financial discussions. I'm so good at them. Right. Uh, right. And, uh, I take right. it. So think of it like this, predict- right? Year on year, they could be staying even. They had said yes. they were going to grow 5.6%, but instead of growing 5.6%, from that staying even, they're going to be down 14%. Right. So they're coming in at 19% less than they would have been anticipated slash hoped. Yeah. Yes. All right. That's a sizable Significant. Chunk yeah. Of change. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Right. Well, hope they'll be okay. Well, I expect so. I mean, I, I would be surprised. They weathered the 54% year-on-year back in 2009. <laughs> right. So they, clearly they did. Yes. Good point. You know, they, they're, they're stuck with some inventory on hand, but it's a problem that can be worked through, I'm pretty sure. You know, if, even if they have to dump that inventory on a cheaper phone or on something else, it, it may be possible to do it depending on how bespoke that inventory is. All right. You know, if that, so- if that inventory was all Apple-designed, a-series processors and all intended for Apple products, they're stuck with it. Yes. Okay, can't really offload it. Not really. To anybody. No. Well, although I understand there are Chinese manufacturers making very good versions of iPhone things. Maybe. Yeah, but they're but they're using they're using MediaTek. They're using Huawei Curin chips. They're using Qualcomm Snapdragons. They they don't get to use bespoke stuff that were cast offs. Right. So far. Um, anything else uh, going on then? Um, well, because that's kind I of mean, half technology, half financial. Let's, let's talk knock-on effects, right? Apple okay. had this guidance. Apple is is said to be reducing the number of new hires for some divisions. Oh, really? They okay. were planning. It, it's not that they're, they're laying anyone off. It's not that they're ending that. It's just that they're saying that there's going to be a, a, a hiring slowdown. Now, it's not a complete shutdown. It's not a hiring freeze, but it's a slowdown in some divisions. They're not company-wide, but there are going to be some cutbacks spread across multiple divisions. I remember when I used to work in corporations, the the consensus was uh, first you hear of a product slowdown, then they lock the stationary cupboard, then you're out of business. So we're a third of the way there. I think we're not there. No, I don't think we're there. So – they're, they're going to continue to recruit aggressively for the artificial intelligence group. It doesn't affect the plans for the new campus in Austin, Texas, or the build out of the video team in Los Angeles. It right. probably doesn't affect the recruiting in San Diego where Qualcomm is. Right. Right. But uh, as people leave, they won't replace them, that kind of. Well, I, I don't know about that either. It depends on the division, right? You know, if we think about it, and this is totally separate, but just thinking aloud, what are things that haven't seen updates in some time? The iMac. Well, there, there's that for your hardware side of things. But in terms of software divisions, right? iTunes University, iTunes U. Yeah. Hasn't been touched been... in ages. It's got some cobwebs on it. iBooks Author. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A lot of the educational software stuff, other than that Chicago announcement we had a year ago, is, is basically untouched. Weird to think that that Chicago thing was practically a year ago. Already. I know. I know. Okay. Right. All right. So you're saying that stuff is going to stay untouched for a I, I think a safe prediction is that that stuff remains a little stagnant because I think Apple has kind of neglected and forgotten about it, which does not bode well yeah. for for Apple and education. No, I, I forgot makes it sound like whoops. And, and I imagine it's more uh, an active choice to do something else with resources they've got. Um, and so that may change as things complete, as things become ready they can move back to other stuff maybe or am i i seem to be the optimistic guy today and and you not so much uh am i just fulfilling my position in this well the the difficulty is that apple is very much in a fight with google over the future of education and google's approach is single sign-on all these educational websites should use google sign-on that every student should have a google account and that they should use docs and sheets and slides to make their schoolwork and they should use google classroom to turn in their schoolwork to the teacher and that they should use a cheap chromebook and apple's position is a little different apple's position doesn't address turning in schoolwork apple's position talks about delivery of materials and using apps to do more hands-on and more meaningful in-class work, uh, where, where Google's is largely replicating the tools of the past. But 
Apple's classroom management stuff is doesn't doesn't revolve around turning in work or monitoring work or stuff like that. It's just basically about seeing what's on the screen for for kids and stuff like that in terms of classroom. Uh, they've they've got ways of trying to loop in other materials into the curricula. Um, Apple's Clips for one of them, but it's it's just a very different approach and one that feels like it's not got the same level of support. And that's not even talking about the cost issues where, you know, high-end Chromebooks are, are two and $300, but schools don't necessarily shop high-end Chromebooks. So there's a cost issue as well. It, it feels like education. There has, were high-end Chromebooks. So they were all just sort of plastic tat. Kind of, I don't mean to knock them. I mean, just, you know, like disposable razors more than. Well, uh, mixed, right? I mean, the beauty of a Chromebook is that if you do lose it, you just sign in on a fresh one. You don't lose anything. Local storage is not really used on a Chromebook. You can use it a little bit, but it's not for that. Yeah. Um, but there are high-end Chromebooks. You know, the Google Pixel Chromebook is a thousand-dollar Chromebook. Uh, to Acer, Toshiba, Hitachi, um, you know, those guys make Chromebooks HP that are in the three hundred-dollar range that have fast processors and gobs of RAM. You said a technical term, gobs of RAM. Gobs. Okay, I want three gobs of RAM. I would like lots, okay. please. Give me all of them. Yeah. And they they do things very, very well. They're very fast. They're very good. And, you know, the beauty of it is that you don't have to worry about any kind of IT issues because when you turn it off and turn it on again, it's like new. All right. But is this why I'm hearing a rumor that the iPad mini will come back? As, uh, it's, a, it's a good, cheap iPad and actually no I've been in schools where they've had 30 and 40 iPad minis I mean not for a while but yeah they're on a trolley and uh I was amazed at how much money must have been spent there um is that where you see that all coming well I'm not if sure you've heard the rumors as there well? there are rumors that iPad's going to bring out an updated 7.9 inch iPad mini and they they say first half of 2019 although that's really unclear you know, we don't know if it's a major design change to bring it in line with the iPad Pro makeover. We don't know if it's going to follow the 9.7-inch design language, if it's going to have a narrow screen frame. We don't really know a whole lot about it. But it's a weird thing. It seems like it doesn't make sense to me just on the basis that the 9.7-inch costs $300 for education. Yes. Right? Yes. So how much cheaper do you make an iPad mini before you start to sacrifice what it can do? Oh, and, I see what you mean. Uh, right. And do you want to do that in an educational setting where things have to last for three years between purchasing, at least? Well, funny, I, my mind went slightly different way when you were saying it. Even though I thought um, the iPad's small size is actually a, a plus feature, if you see what I mean, it was worth paying extra for um, if that suited you. Uh, but yes, I, I see your point. Okay. Well, and, and you know, for children, do you want bigger touch targets or smaller touch targets? Maybe the big iPad, the 9.7 inches, the appropriate one anyway. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm trying to remember, what's the screen size of an iPhone XS uh, Max? It's not that far away from an iPad mini. Well, uh, I don't remember that one, although I've got one sitting in front of me. But the 10R is a 6.1 inch. Okay, so that's pretty – yeah. Mind you, I suppose <sighs> – iPad mini is not the same as having a phone with a big screen. No. Uh, is it? So, okay. Yeah, my my iPhone X XS Max or iPad Micro, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. These things begin to blur a little bit. So we were talking about privacy and security before, right? With all the recent news about online security breaches, it's hard not to worry about where the data goes. Making an online purchase or simply accessing your email could put your private information at risk. You're being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, and your mobile or internet provider. And not only can they record your browsing history, but they often sell it to other corporations who want to profit from your information. And that's why I decided to take back my privacy by using ExpressVPN. You know, there was a story that uh, Vice uh, Motherboard ran last week where AT&T and Sprint and T-Mobile were reselling location data and you could find any person just by having their phone number and $300. It was bizarre. And in the wake of it, things came out that AT&T promised they were going to stop doing it, that Google had told T-Mobile and Sprint not to do it for their customers that are using Google Fi, which is the MVNO of Sprint and T-Mobile, that Google sells to people as a cellular service. So that went on. At the same time, Ring had a security violation, right? Ring was showing everyone in their R&D team in the Ukraine every single video that every Ring user had ever captured. What? They, you know, totally creepy stuff. 
And so, you know, I came home from CES and the ring doorbell that was on my house came right off. But people who've got <laughs> ring spot cams and all of this stuff, they're invested in this ecosystem. And that Amazon and ring had that problem is just mind boggling. So it's, it's really a serious issue where you think you can trust a company or you think you can trust your provider, or even if you don't think you can trust your providers, it, it's, it's difficult. What are you going to do? Well, ExpressVPN has easy to use apps that run seamlessly in the background on the computer, phone, and tablet, and you turn it on with only one click. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. And you can protect yourself with ExpressVPN for less than $7 a month. It's the number one VPN service by as rated by Tech Radar, and it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you ever use public Wi-Fi, for example, and you want to keep hackers and spies from seeing your data, ExpressVPN is the solution. And if you don't want to hand over your online history to your internet provider, ExpressVPN is the answer. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash appleinsider. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash appleinsider for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash appleinsider to learn more. So besides the rumor of the iPad mini, we have iPhone rumors. Oh, no, I didn't know this one. I, uh, are they saying there's going to be another iPhone? Shocking, right? But you'll be, you'll be stunned at what I tell you next. The iPhone okay. for 2019 could have a better camera. <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to say a higher price tag. I was going to, yeah, okay. That would, that, would be, that would be a good one too, no. But uh, there's supposed to be a significant upgrade to the rear camera that is, gives it a 10 megapixel true depth camera. It's January. How are we getting leaks, uh, rumors of any solidity? Because uh, they know what they're going to make for an though. iPhone two to three years ahead of time. Yeah, and they've decided now to tell us, or somebody has somewhere. You know, in the supply chain, there there are two approaches to secrecy, right? One approach is keeping things private until they're finished because you don't want to show anyone your work, right? You want to show someone this beautiful thing when it's done, right? They're they're school children, right? They they cover their paper as they're working so that you can't see it until they're finished. Then there are other people who are so proud with where they're going that they just can't help but burst and try and tell you where they are along the way. Right. I've just slotted Microsoft into the latter line and Apple into the former. That seems about right. And it's not hard and fast, but but generally, those are sort of the the people, the way people approach secrecy. They they are bursting with pride about what's going to happen there and they can't wait to share it. And so they they share little tidbits along the way and it gets out that way. Or people are just embarrassed to show something that's half finished and they keep it secret until the very end. That's how this stuff happens. So the idea of a 10 megapixel front facing camera has also come out as part of the leaks, which is a big jump from the seven seven megapixel camera on the 10s, 10s Max and 10R. Uh, 10 megapixels selfie camera. Oh, yeah. Right. I don't think I want to see what I'm like on a 10 Every blemish, every pore, every, yes. Um, You know, they might increase the output of the flood illuminator to minimize the impact of ambient (laughs) infrared light so that it works even better. Uh, Triple lens camera is one possibility, but no one knows if they're actually going to have a triple lens on the back. Um, What would a third lens uh, give us? More depth mapping. Just because I don't understand. Okay. All right. Why not go all the way and have five cameras? That's the Gillette position. Forget everything. We're doing five blades. Yep. We're going 64-bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's it's unclear what's going to happen here. We really don't know. One of the things that people have been talking about is does Apple keep lightning or does Apple move to USB-C as it did with the iPad Pro? Yes, I've heard you and Dan talking about this uh, before on the podcast, uh, and I don't know where I stand anymore. I rather like lightning, but I see the logic. Well, so uh, the the issue is this. There are a few things that are rough spots that don't add up well, and they are – your laptop uses USB-C, so you can use USB-C headphones for your laptop, but you can't use your same headphones on your phone. Or conversely, your phone uses Lightning and doesn't use USB-C, and so you can't, you know, you can't use your your headphones from your phone with your Mac, unless of course you're using AirPods, which, frankly, I always am. Yes, I know I you love my AirPods. Yes, you do. So this is the kind of of incongruity that exists between the phone and the laptop or the phone and the iPad Pro line at the moment. Now, the other thing is that there's obviously a lot more USB-C peripherals available. We saw a ton of them at the show at CES. 
and Apple has a lot invested in Lightning, right? Each little Lightning cord and cable and dongle is essentially a small ARM computer running in the Lightning connector that tells the phone what it can do. And when you go to something like USB-C, that gets a little bit harder. It's still possible. It's still there. But for people who've invested a ton of Lightning stuff, that's also a little awkward. They the difficulty is that before, you, though. I mean, you get you got to store up two sets of everything, right? You got video adapters for your phone. You've got your video adapters for your your Mac and your iPad. You get your video. You got your uh, your audio for both. You've got your networking for both because you know I sometimes use Ethernet from my phone when I want faster data transfer, uh, backup and restore and download of big stuff over Wi-Fi. I can accelerate that just by plugging on the Ethernet cable. I know I'm alone in that one, but if everything was USB C, I expect that might even become more prevalent. Uh, there's, there's a ton of stuff that, that seems like, gosh, if they just went with one connector, that'd be great, but it's unclear that they will at this time. And lightning is to be fair, a really good connector. There, there are people that have complaints about USB-C and cables dropping out and things like that. Lightning is a fantastic connector. So there's well, the that. cables are a bit rubbish, but the connector is pretty good. I'll take well, you. The third party that. cables are not rubbish. Okay. Get I'm yourself a good third, one, third party cable. I'm looking at one Apple Lightning cable right now on my desk, and it is pristine and perfect because it's the one that came with my new phone. All the rest, worn to pieces. I do have an Amazon one somewhere. Um doesn't always connect as reliably for some reason. Get one with a Kevlar one. weave and and maybe even a bit of wire running up inside the jacket so it's a little more stiff. You will not have any problem, especially if it's got a good overmold at the cable ends. I can't. I'm saving up for CarPlay. Very good. And if you get wireless CarPlay, the cable becomes irrelevant. There you go. You see, everybody wins and it ah. costs us quite a lot of money. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Well... William, I, I think that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Hmm. Quite a lot going on then, really, isn't it? You'd think for January it'd be all quiet, but there's the uh, CES hangover. There's uh, a lot more financial results than maybe people would have liked, uh, certainly the companies involved. But there is, we're already into the rumors. It's a start of a new year in every way. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Ron Johnson, who was the former head of Apple Retail years ago, uh, spoke out recently as, as we saw the Apple stock price go way down. And his remark was, I can't imagine a better buy for your portfolio for the next decade, that he still owns Apple stock and he's going long on the company. Well, that's good. Let's end with some positiveness. There we have it. Right. All right. Well, William, where can people find you on the internet? I am always at W Gallagher on Twitter. And you? I am VMarks on Twitter. You can find my writing here at Apple Insider. And we will be back here next week. Thank you so much. And and please feel free to write us. Write us at william at appleinsider.com with all of your comments and criticisms. And you can also go ahead and write me, of course, at Victor Apple Insider telling us how great we're doing. <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll be back next week. <laughs>